One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And it's Sadie's night, and I almost forgot which one I was for a second. <laughs> Legitimately. It's like, get it right, don't get it, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. I am Courtney Eck. Courtney still. or Sadie. I don't know. <laughs> we are sisters. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we talk about true crime, specifically murder. And uh, what are we talking about tonight, Sadie? This is the terrible story of the murders of Kay, Tita, and Beth Potts. Oof. In December 1990, the Tita family was gathering at their cabin in the mountains of Utah to celebrate Christmas. The cabin was very remote, located in Weber Canyon near Oakley, not far from Salt Lake City, and was more than two miles off the main road. In the winter, the only way to reach the cabin was by snowmobile. The family named their cabin Tita's Tranquility because of the peace and quiet of the area. It was a well-loved spot for the family that lived most of the year in Humboldt, Texas. The week before Christmas, Rolf, Kay, and their two daughters, 20-year-old Lene and 16-year-old Trisha, along with Kay's mother, 76-year-old Beth Potts, went to the cabin to get ready for Christmas. The girls remembered how much effort Kay put into getting everything ready, decorating the Christmas tree, wrapping the presents, and hanging the stockings above the fireplace. Ralph and Kay were both devout members of the LDS church and came from large families, meaning their kids had lots of cousins to play with. And lots. I mean, like so many kids mm-hmm. in this family, mm-hmm. as Mormons tend to do. Yep. I'm always jealous. Headed at all. I, I know I was going to say know. the same. I'm always jealous. Sadie and I have a million cousins, mm-hmm. but we didn't get to grow up near them. They lived on the mm-hmm. East Coast and we lived on the Midwest Coast coast <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. then moved to the west west coast yeah yeah very jealous of tons of cousins mm-hmm. Kay and Ralph married in May of 1964 and then settled in Texas and had celebrated 26 years of marriage just a few months before soon after they were married Ralph and Kay purchased the plot of land in Utah with the plans to build their dream home where they would one day retire As their kids got older, they looked forward to them getting married and having children of their own. Kay couldn't wait to be a grandma. Mm. 
Yeah, Kay was one of those described as like super mom, just like that's mm. all she wanted in mm. her whole life and devoted her whole life to her daughters. Yep. And then Kay's mom, Beth, was born on August 20th, 1914, and married her first husband, Claude, in 1936. The two had five kids together, four girls and a boy, but unfortunately, Claude died in a car crash in 1960. Oh, no. Beth Beth remarried William Potts in 1971, and they were together for 12 years before they also found themselves in another terrible car accident. What? No, we say this all the time. You only get one bad thing. No. Oh, my God. No. William did not survive the crash, and Beth was left completely blind and lost most of her mobility. Uh Uh-uh. Get out of here. Kay was Beth's oldest daughter and made sure to take good care of her mom. The two were very close, and Kay's children called their grandma Grams. Despite her injuries, Beth remained the true matriarch of her family, and in the winter of 1990, she had 19 grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. Wow. Mm-hmm. She was described as always having lots of energy. She was a vivacious, energetic, and happy woman full of life. Wow. God, imagine living through two car crashes that mm-hmm. take two of your husbands and mm-hmm. your sight and mobility and mm-hmm. still just being described like that. That is unbelievable. Yep. So on the morning of December 22nd, 1990, the family was getting prepared to host their extended family at the cabin for Christmas. They decided to go to Salt Lake City for last-minute Christmas shopping. After a busy day in the city, Lene, Beth, and Kay were the first to arrive at the cabin around 3.30 p.m., Lene remembered how cold the day had been, and after the ride back to the cabin, her hands had been freezing. She told her mom she was going to go inside real quick to run her hands in her warm water, and she'd come back out to help bring their things inside. When she got to the top of the stairs that led to the kitchen, she saw a, quote, gray flash go Mm -hmm. past the fridge. Uh -uh. At first, she thought it was one of her cousins who had arrived early and was trying to scare her. But instead, Lidne would later tell 48 Hours, quote, From behind the refrigerator came a frizzy-headed man in a gray sweatshirt with his pistol pointed at me. I have chills all over my entire body. That is so mm-hmm. scary. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever done... I mean, I'm sure we have, but it, it feels like a long time since we've done a home invasion. I don't like home invasion. I don't. It's the worst no, thing. This is still Lene talking... Quote, as soon as my mom came to the top of the stairs, out from the back bedroom, another robber with really thick Coke bottle glasses on was pointing a gun at my mom. Oh my God. Both Lene and Kay were startled by the intruders, and Kay demanded they tell her what they wanted. She said she would give them anything if they would please just leave. Oh my God. But as these words were coming out of her mouth, the men started shooting their guns. <gasps> what the hell? Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. God. Lene watched as her mom grabbed her chest and said, quote, I've been shot and oh fell God. to the ground. Lene then looked over her shoulder and realized her grandmother had also made her way into the room. She then watched as the gunman shot Beth, hitting her in the head. Uh-uh. She said she saw blood go everywhere. Lene said Beth fell down, but then somehow managed to sit up before one of the men shot her in the head again. 
Oh, my God. When he realized she was still breathing, he shot her a third time. Oh, my God. Who are these people? Quick, skip to the end. I need to know what's happening. I know. After this, Lene heard her grandmother gasp for air one more time and then said the room was completely silent. Oh, my God. Once the shock of what had just happened passed, Lene said she immediately thought of her father and little sister who had been behind them on the road leading to the cabin. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they had three snowmobiles in total. And so Lene, Beth, and Kay had come up first, and then the, Ralph and Trisha were coming up behind them, but a little right. delayed. She knew they would arrive any minute and wanted to get the intruders as far away as she could to protect the rest of her family. Oh, but unfortunately, I know. But unfortunately, she could already hear the snowmobile approaching and knew it was too late. The killers also heard the same sound, and one of the men grabbed Lene from behind around her neck and put his gun to her back. He then forced her into one of the bedrooms where he bound her hands and feet with tape and then put a sock in her mouth so she couldn't scream. She would spend more than an hour and a half in that room with her attacker. She said he mostly just sat in the room and talked to her, telling her he would either have to kill her or take her with him. Mm -mm. The other man went outside to meet Ralph and Trisha. When they made their way up to the cabin, they had no idea the danger they were in. When they got off the snowmobile, Trisha said a man wearing a ski mask jumped out of the garage. He was holding a gun and demanded they go inside. The men then brought Lene down to her sister and dad. So they were all in the garage together. Mm-hmm. Lene would later say she was able to communicate with her dad by just looking him in the eyes. Quote, my dad could see tears in my eyes and it was an unspoken communication. And he knew at that point that something awful had happened to mom and Grams. Ugh, God. The killers demanded Ralph hand over all his money and he did as he was told. The man who was still restraining Lene told the other man to shoot Ralph, but he refused. So the man took his gun out from behind Lene's back and pulled the trigger, but the gun didn't fire. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. He pulled the trigger again, and once again, nothing. On the third try, the gun went off and hit Ralph in the face. Uh, uh. He fell to the ground. After shooting Ralph, the men got busy trying to hide any evidence. Both sisters said the men were very calm and businesslike the entire time they were carrying out their terrible crimes. They would chat with each other and even make jokes. As they were preparing to leave, one of the men went back to where Ralph was laying and shot him in the head again for good measure. Oh my God. Who? I don't. I am. This is. Oh, are these. Is, are Ralph and Kay in the mob? Like, what? There is no other explanation for no. this. So what is awful. happening? The men found full gas cans in the garage that were used for the snowmobiles and started pouring it around the cabin and all over Ralph, who was lying on the ground bleeding. After they were done, they lit the gas with a match, causing it to burst into flames. They then ordered the sisters to each drive their own snowmobile, and then each man would sit behind one of their victims to make sure they didn't try anything funny. Lene and Trisha were ordered to drive back to the main road to their family's car that was parked in the area that had been plowed and was drivable. Once they got to the main gate, which blocked off the road to the mountain during the winter, they ran into their uncle Randy, who had just parked in the lot. Mm -mm. He had spotted the snowmobiles and was waving at his nieces, assuming they were taking some friends for a ride. 
Both sisters instinctively knew if they stopped, Randy would be killed, so they didn't even slow down. They just rode straight by him. Good for them. Wow. I know, right? Yeah. Well, how selfless. Like, yep. They're young girls and terrified. And in my like my instinct, I would think if you see your uncle, who yeah. I'm sure has spent his life being like the protector and big uncle Randy, you know, like yes. your instinct would be to stop and be like, please help us. But instead yep. they thought, no, no, nope, yeah. he's going to get killed too. So smart and so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I, I, I still can't, I cannot wait to find out why these men just came into mm-hmm. their vacation home and started shooting them, but it's obviously not just a straight up regular style burglary. It feels very funny games to me. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it feels like to me. Yep. When they reached the car, one of the men put his rifle into the trunk, but was sure to show Trisha he still had a knife on him, saying, quote, Don't worry, I'm just as good with a knife as I am with a gun. Oh, my God. The sisters were then forced into the car. As they drove away, they passed Randy again, who tried to get them to stop, but they just kept going. Wow. The sisters were talking like they were, they were like, no, we don't, you know, telling the killers, like, we have no idea who that guy is. Must be a neighbor, like, recognizes us. We don't know. Wow. Um, really, they talked the guys into not stopping. Oh, my God. Chills. More chills. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the cabin, Ralph, who had been shot in the face twice, remember, mm-hmm. managed to stay conscious during the entire ordeal. Yep. He said he remembered being shot and then falling face first into the snow. He decided to lay as still as possible and play dead. Wow. As the killers were pouring gas around the cabin, they were sure to douse Rolf as well. He could feel the cold liquid as they poured it all over his body. He would later testify, quote, I smelled gasoline. I heard someone pouring liquid on the floor. I felt someone pouring from my feet up toward the top of my head. Then again, I smelled gasoline. Mm-mm. Once the killers and his daughters were gone, Ralph got up and ran upstairs to check on Kay and Beth. Once in the kitchen, he could see a few spots that were on fire. Without thinking, he ran to put them out, but this caused the gas on his own body to catch fire. O-M-G. No, no, no. (laughs) How is this possible? How did this possibly actually really happen to this family? exactly what I want to know. That is just unbelievable. Mm Mm-hmm. He ran into the shower and pulled off his snowsuit before he was burned too badly. He then found Kay and Beth, who were both dead. After learning there was no way to help them, he immediately ran to the last remaining snowmobile and took off after his daughters, Uh -uh. determined to try and save them. Like, do these people just all have, like, the best possible instincts? Were they training for this? Like, probably. You know what I I mean? mean? You guys tell how us, does, our Mormon listeners, Do is that what they treat, like, is that what they teach you in the temple, is how to be amazing with your instincts? How to just be a full, like, ready for assassins. Like, you're just ready for assassins. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. This guy's been shot can't. in the head twice. He's been doused in gasoline. He's probably slightly hypothermic, and he's just out there, like, yeah. Jason borning around Utah. Yes. Like, it's nothing. Meanwhile, right. so were his daughters, just like... Mm-hmm. Nope, just keep going. Both of us know that. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking mm-hmm. to my dad with it, with my eyes for a moment. Like, what right. is this story? Meanwhile, like, I couldn't finish vacuuming yesterday because I twisted my knee a little bit <laughs> in the wrong way. Like, right? What? I No. 
useless. <laughs> I, mean, I am useless in these. And they, I just know. I'd be like, oof, no. Mm, that It's pretty chilly out. I don't have a jacket. I can't, I'm, that's it. I'm done. Goodbye. I have to get out of bed if I forget to take my magnesium at night because my muscles get too sore. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? God, yes. I would like to believe, like I, we say it all the time, I would like to believe that I would have more in me in these situations, but I just don't think I would. Don't get into any terrible circumstances with Sadiac because I'm useless. <sighs> yeah, I, yeah, this is mm-hmm. really remarkable. This story yes. is incredibly terrifying and super mm-hmm. remarkable. I Tell me more. Could, uh, yes, I will. So back at the main road, after the sisters drove away, Uncle Randy said he knew something wasn't right, but had no idea what was going on. He was like, maybe they had boyfriends that they didn't... He, that's what he thought, is that they were like right. running away with boyfriends. Right. And that they didn't want f- him to see or like tell us her, their parents or whatever. But he still was like, that isn't like them. They're not that... You know, like they're, right. they're good girls that wouldn't need to hide that anyway. But that's what he thought. Before he could put too much thought into it, less than a minute... After the girls left, he heard another snowmobile coming down the road towards the parking lot. As the snowmobile Randy, got close, we gotta get the killers. <laughs> right. oh I mean, like, God. yeah, that's basically what's going to happen. Oh. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh. As the snowmobile got closer, Randy could see that the man driving was badly injured, and then he realized in horror that the man was actually his brother, Ralph. Uh. Randy said Ralph's face was covered in blood and was almost double its normal size. Yeah, I bet. I bet. The swelling was so bad that both of his eyes were swollen shut, Courtney. (laughs) Snowmobiling blind. Of course he is. Of course he's just like relying on his his instincts. Winter instincts. Morning. Yeah. Yeah. He got himself down the road on a snowmobile. Without using, any using a vision. series using a series of sonic clicks that he <laughs> was trained to yeah right? God yes. oh my God so Ralph wasn't wearing a coat or gloves and it was so cold on the ride that blood icicles were hanging from the terribly wounded man's body never heard the word blood icicles before that is a new term that I right? just came into my consciousness blood oh. icicles. Well, wow. I hate it, but that's, I mean, they kept bringing it up in the 48 hours. There was, um, when the police go to the scene, there was blood icicles hanging from the mm-hmm. deck. It's just like, yeah. God, please don't make me have yep. that image. Yep. So when Ralph got to Randy, he stopped and told him he'd been shot and that Kay had been killed and his girls had been kidnapped. Randy quickly put Ralph in the back of his car and rushed down the mountain to get his brother to the hospital. Randy just so happened to have a mobile phone. I'm guessing it was a car phone because this is mm. 1990. Mm. But it wouldn't work until he was out of the mountains, closer to town. On the way down, Randy just so happened to find himself right behind Ralph's car with his nieces inside. Mm-mm. So he followed behind the car, hoping he could save them too. <laughs> what the fuck? No, dude. I feel uh, like I'm making this up, but I swear. I- I'm I know. Making this up. I was gonna say, if this was a movie, it would be the stupidest movie ever made yeah. because you would never believe that any of this actually happened. Right. Right. Yes. What's the one with what's his face and his daughters that get kidnapped all the time? Taken. Uh, yeah, it's like Liam this Mason. Is, yes, this is Taken is probably based off of the story. Yeah, but even Taken, it wasn't like so much 
stuff happening at once. You know what I mean? Like it was such a short amount of time. Right. Yeah, that was spread out. He had to like fly to (laughs) Europe. He had to, you know, there was like wherever. Yes. And this Mm -hmm. is just like all of these things all in a row within I'm assuming what an are we an hour into the day? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. (sighs) Also have you seen side note, have you seen that video Uh on YouTube that's like the biggest, the biggest mystery, the biggest conspiracy of Taken is why his daughter was going to follow you two around Europe in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> no, <That's> brilliant. Funny. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so luckily, it didn't take long for Randy's phone to get enough service to call the police for help. Not only was he able to get authorities to chase the men who had kidnapped Lene and Trisha, but he was also able to have a medical helicopter come and fly his brother to the nearest hospital. Oh my God. And I also read that he, it was like the call lasted just a minute or two. It was very brief before he lost connection again. And so he managed to do both of those things in the amount of time, like so quick. And he was like, yeah. okay, helicopter, meet me at the gas station on. US 12 or whatever, you know, like, what? How? Honest to God. So Honestly. Honestly. Yep. The police were able to find the car and went on a high-speed chase with the two killers who eventually lost control and drove down a small embankment. Luckily, neither sister was injured in the crash, and Trisha later told 48 Hours how she remembered looking up the embankment, so she was still in the car and she was looking up to the top of the road, and saw not only multiple officers with their guns drawn, but many average citizens who had somehow heard about what happened and had joined the car chase to help. I'm going to throw my phone against the wall. You have got (laughs) to be kidding me. No, they were also armed, these citizens, and prepared to take the killers down if they didn't surrender. So she's like, all these people in plain clothes, just with their guns drawn down at the car. If that isn't, I don't know a whole lot about Utah. You know, I've been there a couple times, but I don't really know. I just, but it seems like it's that, you know, like you just hang out and listen to the police scanner and they go, all right, guys, we got to go. It's time to help these poor girls out of the car. I I mean, reason enough to move to Utah or get your vacation home. I have a fair amount of rich friends with vacation homes in Utah, Mm -hmm. and I just assumed it's because it's gorgeous, but now I know it's Mm -mm. because armed yeah if, got your back if you find yourself in trouble no worries you know that right? everybody's assassin trained slash <laughs> right. like ready to drop everything and join a fucking police chase mob style vigilante style police mobs like that right. sounds terrifying to some degree and also amazing Right. Well, in this case, kind of what you want. And that's what I mean. Uh, yeah. Just, like, right? yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. The two men were arrested and later identified as 25 year old Vaughn Lester Taylor and 21 year old Edward Stephen Deli. Both men were on parole from the Utah State Prison and had gone on the run from the halfway house where they were living. Mm hmm. Before being let out on parole, Deli had served part of a five-year sentence for arson, while Taylor had served part of a 15-year sentence for aggravated burglary. Both men had been let out of prison early for good behavior. They had been running from police for more than a week before they were found, 
and had gone to the area because one of them had family members who owned a cabin nearby. Mm. They spent the week breaking into empty cabins, stealing the food they needed, and coming up with their horrendous plan. Back at the cabin, authorities had finally arrived and began investigating the crime scene. The first deputy to arrive said he could see a 12 to 18 inch puddle of fresh blood through the open garage door. It was so cold that day that the pool had already frozen solid. Oh my god. He, I know. He could also <sighs> smell burning hair and clothing as he walked into the cabin. It turned out the top floor was still on fire, and police worried evidence of the crime would be destroyed. Once in the kitchen, deputies followed bloody drag marks to the bodies of Kay and Beth. An autopsy would show that both Kay and Beth were shot three times with two, or in Kay's case, three different weapons. After the women were killed, Deli and Taylor had dragged both of them across the living room floor and out onto the deck, and then covered them with a blanket and snow to hide their bodies. Officers also found evidence that Deli and Taylor had spent a few hours in the cabin and had waited for the family to return, even though they had plenty of time to take all they wanted from the house and leave mm-hmm. before anyone came back. Mm-hmm. As the fire and smoke got worse, one officer noticed a home video recorder on the coffee table in the living room. He grabbed it thinking it could contain evidence of the crime. They were then forced to leave the cabin until the fire was put out. Hey, when it comes to personal hygiene, who has time to read the long list of ingredients on the back of the bottle? I don't. No, I have no idea. No time. Under no circumstance. Some ingredients I cannot even pronounce. If you're like me and care about what goes on your body, then it's time to try native personal care products like I did. Every native product is thoughtfully formulated to keep you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. You know Native for their aluminum-free deodorant. Native keeps their ingredients list bare naked with ingredients you understand like coconut oil, shea butter, and baking soda. Native deodorant checks a lot of boxes. 72-hour odor protection, naturally derived ingredients, and a smooth, residue-free application. Native also offers a variety of scents with new and limited edition scents being released all the time. I was just looking online to see what they have and it was tie-dye cupcake. Yeah. Somebody get it and tell me all about it. And by somebody, I mean my own self because it sounds like a party for my armpits. When you use Native, you will smell amazing all day long thanks to their long-lasting scents. Want to smell spicy and woodsy or clean and fresh? Native has a scent option for everyone. They sure do. My personal favorite being lavender and rose. I really like sea salt and cedar. Now is the time to make the switch from an antiperspirant to native. When you visit their site, you can discover all their fresh scents and maybe even try out one of their body washes while you're at it. Ooh, I saw they have body sprays too. Yeah, get get it on you. Um, I will say the first time I ever tried Native, it was because a friend, I realized I had not applied deodorant for the day, and the only option that was available to me in a, in a pinch was Native, and I was like, no way, this is not going to work, and they were like, trust me, it does, and also it smells incredible, and they were not wrong about either of those things. It did smell incredible, and it actually worked for me, and I am somebody who has had very bad luck with antiperspirant-free deodorants in the past. Yeah, and you can even use it while you work out. It'll stay. It will, and that was one of the things that it was a man who uh, recommended it to me. He's like, "Good luck getting it off." That's <laughs> exactly what he said. <laughs> Which is a good. Uh, that's a good quality to have in a deodorant. Yes. 
smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to nativedo.com slash they will or use promo code they will at checkout. That's nativedo.com slash they will or use promo code they will at checkout for 20% off your first order. When detectives watched the footage, it showed Taylor and Deli eating the family's food, ripping open the Christmas presents that had been left under the tree, and laughing about what the family was about to come home to. Oh my God. It is fa- it is funny games. It really, it really is. Real it life. Really, really is. Yeah. Holy the video shit. shows, I mean, they were just like casually opening the Christmas presents. You would think that it was just two dudes like exchanging gifts and they would open the box and like hold up the thing and laugh. And Oh my um, God. Lene's name was on one of the presents and they were laughing like, oh, ha, 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 her name's Lene. And, God. Oh. I can't believe I've never heard this story before. I feel like this should be extremely famous. I know. I know. I agree. I completely agree. And not really covered much at all on podcasts. Wild. So in the video, you can clearly see the handguns used to murder Kay and Beth with just a few hours later. They had them like holsters on their hips. Mm. Later, a friend and fellow inmate of Taylor's came forward and said that while waiting for the family to return, Taylor called him and said he was at a cabin in the mountains and planned to, quote, waste some people and steal their car. He promised to come get him and take him to New York State after everything was done. Ralph had to have surgery to repair his injuries and to remove birdshot pellets from his eye socket, jawbone, and nasal cavity. Wow. Luckily, no. Luckily, the killers had used the wrong gun on Ralph, and the birdshot hadn't been strong enough to kill him. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Within a few days, Ralph was well enough to be discharged from the hospital in time to attend Beth and Kay's funeral, which took place just a week after they were murdered. Oh, my God. After their arrest, Deli and Taylor were each charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted first-degree murder, and two counts of aggravated kidnapping. They were also charged with aggravated assault, theft, arson, and failure to heed a police signal to stop. After the murders, the big question on everyone's mind was, why? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, immediately. Wait, yes, mm-hmm. I, yes, immediately why? doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Taylor was said to have come from a good home and hadn't caused much trouble growing up. But at some point, he started getting in trouble with the law. And I'm just telling you now, there is not enough information about these guys. Yeah. Like, it's frustrating. Yeah. Court papers show that Taylor had a history of extreme paranoia, depression with suicidal ideations, and was borderline schizophrenic. Deli's story was similar, but not as much as known about his history. Before the murders, the only thing he'd been in trouble for previously was his arson charge. The halfway house the men were staying in before they ran away was for parolees with a history of mental illness. And again, like, I I really don't like using just like, oh, they were just mentally ill and that's why they did it. Right. Because we all know that people with mental illness usually are the ones that are victims rather than the ones to victimize others. Yep. So it's believed the main reason they decided to wait for the Tita family was to return that day was to steal their car. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I couldn't find anything about their relationship, like their friendship between each other, 
Was yep. it like the triad we've talked about? You know, uh, it where, sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were young. Taylor is a little bit older than Deli. Yep. But so did, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I really don't know. But I couldn't find motive. I couldn't find like just two dudes that decided to run away from the halfway house and got into these cabins and spent a week and got bored. Yep became delusional <laughs> like I think they just riled each other up I think they yeah. must have you know either one of them just wanted to kill you know which is something that people do <laughs> like mm-hmm. some people just want to and like convince the other one that they should do or they just you know they just were just being dumb and riling each other up mm-hmm. I watched the um the January 6th documentary on HBO yesterday mm, with the, mm-hmm. what's his name, Callahan. Uh, boy, just watching what people are capable of and how they can convince each other of things that are patently not true to the point of being mm-hmm. insane, right? And right. then like kind of turn around and go back on that. You know, it's it's really <laughs> interesting. It's very interesting in the sense that it shows just how effective and easy that is to do. Right. And uh, so I think that they probably, somebody, either they just were like one-upping each other to the to a very deadly degree and decided to go for it with, you know, not considering the consequences or like what they were actually doing or one of them wanted to and convinced the other one to do it too. Because otherwise you don't just, yeah, you steal the stuff, you eat the food, do whatever, mess up the house. Exactly. And then you get the fuck out of there. You'd steal the car, you steal the snowmobile, whatever. Or you wait for the family to get home. You take the car and, you know, you leave. But you don't just immediately start firing on the family. That doesn't, that's not how that works, you know, logically. So, Nope. Yeah. I mean, I think in the video too, you can see... They're, they are definitely playing a part, is how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like a movie. And mm-hmm. that, I wonder about that too. Like, they got to the cabins, they found some guns. One thing, you know, oh yeah, we could just shoot some people with it or whatever. But it felt like that. Like they were they were playing these parts, and yeah, not to diminish what they did, you know, but whether they really understood what the consequences would be or. I don't yep. know. But they did, yep. I mean, the fact that they continued, they waited and then continued to shoot Ralph twice and then light the house on fire. I mean, like, they really went for it for a very long time. They had a long time to change their mind. Exactly. Um, yes. And also surprised that there wasn't any evidence. I mean, if it happened, nobody talked about it, which I think they would. There was never charges brought against them for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And the fact that especially Lene had been in the room with that guy for an hour and a half and mm-hmm. they didn't assault her as far as I know is kind of strange too in some ways. Yeah. You know, it's yes. just a, I don't know. So it's impossible to understand why they also decided to murder innocent people in the process of stealing their car. So Edward Deli pleaded not guilty and his trial began in May of 1991, just five months after the murders. I've, wow. This whole thing just goes so fast. Really, truly, truly. Mm-hmm. His defense team told the jury that Von Taylor was the one who murdered Beth and Kay, and that Deli was not the one to kill. He didn't shoot the guns. Mm-hmm. 
During the trial, the prosecutors had both Lene and Trisha testify. And these teens, who were only 16 and 20 at the time, were asked to hold the actual murder weapons. What the fuck is wrong with us in the 90s, you guys? I don't know. I don't know. They were told to show the jury how the guns were pointed at their mom and grandmother. What the fuck? Trisha wasn't even there. I mean, maybe she had to do the same for her dad, which is just so fucked up. But it's like, why? Yep. You can get the idea. Yep. They can see the weapons. They're in, yep. Again, during the 48 hours, Lene is sitting there and talking about this, and then she kind of stops, and she's like, I'm just having some revelations that there was absolutely no reason for them to make me do that, and mm-hmm. how it really traumatized me further. And I was like, yeah, girl, I'm so, so, so sorry. So sorry. And they're, they're those girls are just, they just wanted to help. They were so helpful, you know, yeah. so just willing to do whatever, and... I just shame on the prosecution for putting them through that. It's not yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 like to do their job a little too well sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. like it's I know it's your job, but God bless America, man. Use your head. Like use a little bit of thought, sympathy, kindness. Yuck, yuck. Right. Yuck. I mean, it's bad enough that they have to. I mean, I understand why they would need to testify. That makes sense. Yes. Um, but understanding that, that alone is tra- re-traumatizing enough. Yeah. So Rolf also took the stand for the prosecution, and his daughter said that as he walked into the courtroom to testify, it was clear from the look on Deli's face that he didn't know Rolf had survived the shooting. Mm-mm. What? Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard to believe, but like, I mean, I don't doubt what they said. <laughs> Right, how would he? How good, yeah. right. Yeah, how good would that feel for Ralph? That would be like, fuck you, big time. After like, hearing can, can you play Dr. Dre as I walk in the room? And Dr. Dre would be like, yes, that is an appropriate use of my music. You may. Right. Yes, 100% may. Mm-hmm. You do have my permission. So after hearing the evidence against him, the jury deliberated for 12 and a half hours. And because of one juror who refused to believe that Deli was in any way responsible for Beth and Kay's murder, he was found guilty of only second-degree murder. Wow. I mean, luckily, he was still found guilty of murder, but just second-degree. Still, yeah, that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. This meant that the death penalty was not an option for him any longer, which infuriated the Tita family. I bet. Delhi would still be sentenced to life without parole for his crimes. Yeah. But they really, the family really wanted both of them to receive the death penalty. I can you blame them? As somebody who says all the time that I don't believe in the death penalty, if I went through what they went through, I might change mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. That's, and especially, I, yeah, like Texas, Utah, families. Yep. That's, yep. That, was the, that would be justice for them, and anything less is not good enough in their mind. Yep. yep. I don't blame them. So just a week after Delhi's trial, Von Lester Taylor pleaded guilty to two counts of capital murder. The state dropped all of their other charges against him in exchange for that plea, but Taylor still had to be sentenced before a jury, and the death penalty was still an option for them to choose. Uh, not a great plea, if, if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, I don't know what you got out of that, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk about it here in a second, but his defense lawyer was baloney. Did not mm-hmm. help this guy. Mm-hmm. So during the sentencing trial, Taylor testified on his own behalf. 
When asked why he killed Beth and Kay, he said he didn't know and couldn't remember much from that terrible day. Mm-hmm. After hearing the evidence against him, the jury decided that Taylor should be sentenced to death for each murder. The judge agreed and sentenced Taylor to two death sentences. Wow. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever heard that before. No, I'm sure I thought the exists, same thing. exists, but wow. Yeah, yep. So Taylor would spend years going through the appeals process and even had his death sentence overturned in 2020 after the court found it likely that Delhi had been the one to shoot the weapons that killed the two women. No way. Mm-hmm. They also found evidence that Taylor's defense lawyer did not provide adequate counsel when he refused to hire a mitigating circumstance expert during the sentencing phase. Hmm. He also failed to do his own research into the client, his client's past that might have ex- helped explain why Taylor killed Beth and Kay, and the things he might have uncovered could have kept Taylor from the death row. Interesting. From from death row. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. If you, I mean, like it all comes down to mitigating circumstances in death yep. row trial or sentences. Right, right. And if you can prove that he had reason to do these terrible things, like something so bad happened to him that he did these things, then they'll say, okay, you just get life in prison. But the defense lawyer... It sounds like, I've read a lot of articles in the newspaper archives, and it sounded like his defense lawyer was so sure of his guilt and kind of disgusted by yep. his client that he yep. did the very bare minimum for him and said things like, I don't hire experts because I don't, I'm not going to spend money for somebody to just tell us what we want to hear, even though, mm-hmm. especially with mitigating circumstances, that isn't how it works. It really all just depends on the, the defendant's past. Yep. And the fact that he didn't he didn't do anything. He didn't look into medical records. He didn't look into his mental health history. He didn't pull up school records. He only interviewed his dad who only lived with Taylor part-time. He was gone yep. because of his job all the time and so he could testify to what he knew, but he was missing half of the picture. You know, he just really didn't do anything to help this guy and then accepted a terrible plea. Terrible. Worst I've ever heard in my life. Right. right, like not might as well not be anything. Just a terrible, terrible plea. So I don't. Oh, I mean, man. clearly Taylor did this, yeah, and deserves to be punished for it. But he also deserves to have a like adequate counsel. So, yeah, I mean, it's really that's hard because I, can't, you know, this is why it would be hard for me to be a defense attorney because you're that's your job. Your job is to mm-hmm. defend people who make you want. To vomit, right? To right. have done things, inconceivably yeah. awful things to other people. Right. And, and you, you have to defend have... them even when there is mountains of evidence against them. Yeah. You got to do that yeah. whole whole ass job, guy. You got to do the whole thing. The only. Yep. Or go ahead and work for the prosecution. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and I, yeah. you know, the only thing, um, as you're saying it, I'm like, God, that would be really hard for me too. But then. Like when we worked in, Sadie and I, if you're new to the podcast, worked in a group home for teenage boys with developmental delays and distur- emotional disturbances. And, yeah, like yeah. really complicated kids. And a couple of those kids were very, very hard to love, very hard to love mm-hmm. and did some truly awful things when they were in our care. And you still have to love them. You know, you still mm-hmm. have to take care of them and you still have mm-hmm. to advocate for them. And that's a complicated experience to have. 
There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. I just want to like reject this kid, but he comes from a horrible place. And so mm-hmm. as a result, he did horrible things. And mm-hmm. it was my job to do the best that I could to rehabilitate him so that he would not continue to do horrible things. And that is a really complicated experience to have as a human person, right? And if people don't try to help you in some way, then you're doomed, you know? So having that attitude, that's how people end up killing families like that. (laughs) You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, because everybody just rejects you and sends you away your entire life. Right. And I also, I mean, that's the big problem with the death penalty, right? Is that it all depends on the amount of money you have and the yep. the care you receive and mm-hmm. um, it's not even and so he I I'm not I don't think anybody was expecting his attorney to get him out of his sentence completely yeah but there is that expectation that you do the bare minimum to keep him from the death row from death right. row like yeah. had he had a different attorney chances are he would have just got life in prison yep and instead he's Probably, I don't know what Utah's, what they're doing right now with the death row inmates, but you know, he just didn't get a fair shake. Yeah. Uh, so going back to Taylor and his appeal, so it was it was overturned, and then in July of 2021, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld Taylor's original convictions wow. of two counts of capital murder, sending him back to death row. Wow. Where he still is today. So soon after Kay and Beth were murdered, the remaining Tita family decided to rebuild the family cabin after it was destroyed by the fire. They wanted to reclaim the place that had meant so much to them and were determined to make new happy memories there in honor of Kay and Beth. Wow. I know. <laughs> They're like, that's never where our secret could... powers come from. We have to stay there. For them, seriously. Yep. The cabin remains in the family to this day. In 2001, Lene received a letter from Delhi apologizing for what he did and saying he was no longer the boy who committed those crimes. Oh, my God. It took Lene nine years to write back, but she eventually got to the place where she was able to forgive him for what he did and wrote him a letter telling him so. Fuck. Wow. I know. Lene went on to have a family of her own and now lives with her husband and their blended family of nine kids. Mm. Trisha also started a family of her own and gave birth to two daughters. She said when she looks into her daughter's eyes, she sees her mom and Graham in them. Rolf Tita was able to move past the trauma of that day, I mean, as much as you can, Yep. and remarried a few years after Kay was murdered. He lived a happy life until he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died soon after the diagnosis on November 19th, 2008. I think it was like six to eight weeks after his diagnosis. He died peacefully, surrounded by his family, knowing that he truly did everything he could to love and protect them until his last breath. (sighs) And that is the unbelievable story. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Uh, All all of it. Yes. (sighs) Unfortunate murders of... Kay and Beth, and the incredible survivor story of all of the rest of them. That one like brought me to my knees. If I wasn't sitting, I would be collapsed on my knees because... Right? Yeah, that is harrowing. It is devastating. It is terrifying. 
Yeah. It is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really wish, you know, because I always do, I wish we knew a little bit more about the circumstances of the killers, but I think it's, I mean, it feels fairly clear, especially if he, and I was going to say, did he ever, did either of them ever speak out later? If he wrote her a letter and apologized, Mm -hmm. I I just have to believe that I have to believe that 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 it was just a stupid, insane. These two guys together were the perfect storm. You know, mm-hmm. they just psyched each other up to do this horrendously awful thing, and were like, you know, more or less blacked out or psychotic, or one of them was and was following along the other one or whatever. That mm-hmm. however that happens. Yeah, what's that '90s movie? Uh, I cannot think of the name of it. Uh, natural born killers. Yes, yes. You know, yep. and I I don't know what year that came out. I think it was probably after these murders. Yep. But it's soon it's after. That, I think I like ninety three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that time, early nineties, mid nineties. That was what was out there. Like this energy of yep, like spree killings, and I mean maybe not. But that's what I when I when I think of this kill this thing. That's what I come up with is all of these. Seems very specific to the '90s movies and yes, whatnot that kind of felt like this. And yes. I don't know what that means. I'm not blaming the movies on their actions, but like you know, it just seems very '90s to me. In a yeah, there were way. there was a lot of that sort of. You're right, like that media, like a I can't remember the name of that other movie that was really bad. It's got like one name. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just that unhinged, just kind of how the 90s felt to me altogether. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. a safe time. And I'm sure that there were less safe times, but the 90s in particular felt very capitalistic, very shallow, very misogynistic, just very mm-hmm. generally unsafe. I did not feel safe in the 90s. No. And I had no. sort of resigned myself. I remember so specifically watching, of all things, of course, Total Request Live with Carson Daly. Nothing against Carson <laughs> Daly. I'm sure he's a totally fine person. But uh-huh. just like watching it and being like, ah, so this is the world, you know? Like, what do mm-hmm. I do? Luckily, I'm this like punk kid and I'll find a way. I'll kill my television or whatever. You know, I just, just right. feeling really very disenfranchised, which I think is the experience of a lot of teenagers, but just feeling very disconnected from society in a in a way that has changed as I've gotten older and things have shifted. I mean, I think mm-hmm. our society is in a really bizarre and terrifying place right now, but I think there's also, I feel more hopeful. I feel like it's, it's at least real. We're acting like real people. Right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so I have to wonder if some of that like truly psychotic sort of behavior was just a reaction to the sort of numbed out, doled down, suburban kind of vibe of the 90s, where we all just felt insane, you know, because it wasn't very human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The music mm-hmm. wasn't, the fashion wasn't, the... Everything about the 90s was just really, yikes. Mm-hmm. Strip oh, malls were like much. really becoming a thing that, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, I blame the elder Bush, President Bush. <laughs> I don't 
man. <laughs> Cheney, I know. Which one of those motherfuckers do we blame for this? Reagan. Uh, it was Reagan. Duh. I mean, oh, yeah, Reagan, it was Reagan. Started it. Yes. No, Reagan. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I love that Gen Z is like glommed onto that too. And they're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that guy. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> t- took two generations, but you always figured it out. It really was. Mm-hmm. Reagan, that motherfucker really yeah. screwed us up like he badly. Sure yeah. And then Cheney nailed, put that nail right in the coffin. Fox News, mm-hmm. all of it. Anyway. Yep. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. So luckily, uh, Ralph, Lene, and Trisha are incredible people. And if they ever came across this podcast, like, holy shit, you guys, way to go. Yes. That is an understatement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, yeah, I would love to hear more about where that came from. If they just, as a family, were just born badasses, like the, <laughs> right. like Venus and Serena Williams. Like, there's some families just given these superior genes to be able to right. survive something like that, and just have the most perfect possible instincts. Or, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Oh. No, I'm thinking of the image of, I tried to get a screenshot. I'll see if I can find it somewhere else online. But there were pictures in the 48 Hours episode of Lene on stand holding the gun. Mm. Um, But she has, I don't know if her hair is naturally curly, but her hair in the picture is curly. She has curly bangs. It's up in a ponytail with a big bow. And the dress she has is like a, almost like a sailor style mm-hmm. with a big bow on the front mm-hmm. and maybe plaid. It's a black and white picture, but um, she has this kind of frilly, girly dress on and her hair's up. Um, she looks very young and innocent and she's holding this gun. And uh, like the fact that she had it to be so brave and in that picture in particular, she looks so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm just fascinated by that. I'm so impressed by it. Seriously. You know, where where that inner strength came from. Uh, seriously. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, we could all be so lucky. We could all be so lucky. Excellent story, my dude. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I be. came across it and I really, I, like I do this all the time, but I was like, I know where this story is going. I did not know. No, I did not you know didn't. where no, this you story didn't. was going. And Nobody no did. Wow. No. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, well, that anyway. one's gonna that one's gonna sit with me forever. Yeah, and good. that's a good thing and a bit terrible thing. Um, there's never been a harder write into name time though, has there? You, my, <laughs> my people. God, <laughs> it's never an easy transition. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, there's never been a harder write or a uh, more necessary. Palette cleanser. Right. Oh my God. Oh, name time. Name time. It's name time. So, on the last episode, we talked about the gritters, which are salt trucks for those of us who do not live in the UK. Uh, how the, in Scotland they name their gritters, and I had a couple, and I lost track of, of some of them. I found those other the other names, and here we go: Sweet Child O'Brien. Come on, <laughs> the classic Veruca Salt. Mm-hmm. Oh no, William Wall Ice. Yes. <laughs> 
You only grit ice, which I don't entirely get that one. Maybe like you only live once. You only live once. Yeah. Or maybe it's a maybe it's a European pun. Maybe it's I don't like know. butter that melts in melts the mouth. In, what was that? That was on Patreon. <laughs> yes. I don't know that we've ever gotten more responses to a, right. an inquiry. Really. Yeah. I think it was on Patreon, but the, the saying was he looked like but butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, right? Or wood would Something melt like in that. his mouth. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Blew our minds and our UK listeners were quick to come to our aid and and explain yes. that it means that he looks innocent, but also like he is, is sly. Yes, devious. Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, and last but not least for that category, ready, spready, go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a company in Washington that erects steel buildings and it is called the Erection Company. <laughs> that name has not spans of the time. No. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I think they were established in like the 1800s because they're like, yeah, well, we erect steel buildings, so we are the erection company. Clearly. Okay. A uh, town in, Ontar- in Ontario, Canada called Minden with fun mm-hmm. road names. Red Umbrella Road. Beer Lake Road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bacon Road. Cricket House Road. <laughs> Frog Hopper Lane, Happy Hours Lane, Judge Dor- Jordan Road, Rusty Stream Lane, Shady Shady Lane, sorry, and uh-huh. the Beaten Path Lane. Yes, <laughs> just a little redundant, just like a right. you know the School of the Art Institute. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why is it a school and an institute? <laughs> I think we could choose one or the other. Laura's like, well, right. the Art Institute is the museum, and the school of the Art Institute is the school of the Art Institute. Oh my God, still. They could have no, named no. it something else. They could have named it right. the Art Institute Muse. School. I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, you're right. There's no way around it. <laughs> um, somebody grew up in Missoula, Montana in the 80s to the 90s. There was an extravagant doctor's wife named Peggy Peschel. She drove a Jaguar with the personalized license plate, Peggio. Yes. (laughs) Later, she drove a fancy Land Rover with the license plate, MSLA Jag, which I'm assuming stands for Missoula Jag, which, yes, yes. yes. Let's all be like Peggy Peschel. Absolutely. Missoula Jag. (laughs) Just (laughs) so ballsy. There is a possum grape. Arkansas, and a big damn road. (laughs) Uh, Insane Bolt's child's name is, you'll never guess. If your last Um, name was Bolt, what would you name your child? uh, Lightning Bolt. That's Thunder. Yep. Thunderbolt. What? (laughs) Thunderbolt? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thunder. Mm -hmm. There's an That's English amazing. street called Love's Wood. <laughs> <laughs> there is a dick insurance in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. Oh which, my God. You know how much I love a name in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, but Tewksbury is That's so adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, got a, I got a message request on Facebook the other day from a, a female, Tan Winters. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, lives our life feeling unfulfilled and doesn't know why. Exactly. 
And she's, and yeah, I mean, she was fake. She was not a real person, but she was white. She was white in her profile picture. Tan, white, beautiful white Tan. woman named Tan Winters. Um, the first names Harvest, Sparkle, and Spirit. I approve. Oh. Uh, there's someone with the last name Pity and the first named Patty. Patty Pity. <laughs> and. Uh, just this morning, somebody messaged us. They were listening to a podcast, maybe lore, about a historical murder in the late 1800s. And the big reveal was that the person's name wasn't actually Edward, as he had claimed, but Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Trout is in quotation marks, so I guess that was Erasmus's nickname. nickname. <laughs> I mean, good on him to change his name because that would be easy to identify. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. Erasmus Stribbling Trout Shoe. (laughs) (laughs) There is also a Precious Pringle and a Jason Dookie. (laughs) The end. So sweet. So we still sweet. get messages all the time. If you're still doing name time, yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Name yep. time. Yeah. Well, people are like starting from the beginning and working their yeah. way up. And they, yeah, these people are like, I <laughs> like. There's no it. way they're still doing it a year and a half later. Yeah. No, it's going it's strong, it's stronger than ever. <laughs> yep. Uh, indeed. Yeah. So if you got if you got funny names, send them on through. I find Seriously. that. Seriously. <laughs> I'll just say a name out loud while we're watching TV and Laura's like, what are you talking about? And it's always like, if you look at the credits of television shows, uh, it's just a treasure trove in there. Like every editor has a crazy name. And I don't know if that's just an editor thing. Like yeah. they change them. <laughs> I, I own a production company, so I know a lot of editors and they're just like dark you know, cave dwelling type people. They just sit in the dark with oversized headphones and like surrounded by monitors. And so, you know, they're a unique bunch. And I think right. they just purposely change their names to like to things like Artemis, e- Schmartemis, e- exactly <laughs> Enid Sugarbockle and stuff. You're like, no way. Oh, There's man. no way. Yeah. I mean, I drove by another Earl Grey sons, <laughs> and I just still think it's so funny. <laughs> I was at a stoplight. I was looking at it. And I was like, that is funny. The fact that his name is Earl Grey, like the P, to me, is funny. It's pretty funny. It definitely Thank is you. definitely getting funnier. Like when you're watching a show, like a sketch comedy show, and they just beat the joke down. And then they keep beating the joke down, and it comes back to being very funny. Yep. That's officially Earl though, Grey plumbing. If I ever need a plumber, I'm definitely going to call Earl Grey. <laughs> no question. Not a single uh, question. Uh, uh, let's do some shouty outies because we are. Let's do it. Speaking of amazing, lovely Jason Bourne types, yes. you who are interested in joining our Patreon, you can do that for as little as $5 a month for a weekly bonus episode. Yes, and all uh, all episodes on our Patreon are ad free. So get yeah. on over there, give us your money. It's wonderful over there. People are hilarious, insightful. It's a really lovely community. On top of just getting a shit ton more content, if you like what you're hearing right now. And I've Thank said you. it before, but some of our fa- my favorite episodes of ours are over there. 
just happened to be that way. So go find out for yourself. I I totally agree with you. Thank you so much to Elizabeth K. Elizabeth, you, I'm gonna I'm gonna need everybody to come on down to Elizabeth K Warehouse. Where this weekend only we are liquidating our assets, which include vivaciousness, serendipity, cost effectiveness, ingeniousness. Effortless beauty, kindness, and we've got a BOGO on fashion sense and uh, wisdom. <laughs> Come on down, Elizabeth K. Yes. Letters 599-602 hot. That's 599-602 hot. <laughs> Oh, thank you that's so the, much to the address. That's the address <laughs> and the phone number, coincidentally. Oh, thank you so much to Katie W. Listen, Katie W. And everybody's been asking me lately, what does W stand for? And I'm like, wistful, wily, winsome, wisteria, because of, you know, smells good. Also, winner, 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 um, win- whispering <laughs> beauty like that whispers, it's understated, it's a whisper, wishbone, <laughs> uh, get always get the big end of it. Also, wine time, <laughs> but furthermore, it stands for wisdom. Did I say wisdom? Because it does <laughs> a lot of wisdom, and uh, also. Wine, wine, trob. I don't know what that means, but it just feels appropriate, <laughs> you know. Like she exists amongst royalty and uh, goes to dinner parties where people have names like wine, wine, trob, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it stands for wildly funny. Yes, and also wild abandon because mm-hmm. just cannot be tamed, can't hold her back. And uh, last but not least, it stands for one wondrous. Wondrous, like the universe. Yes. Like all the planets aligning for you. Did you just say all of the planets align? <laughs> <laughs> I said all the planets like. aligning for you. That's what. <laughs> we love you. Thank you we so much. We love you. Uh, last right. but not least, one more? Yeah, one more. Who do we got? All right. Last but not least, thank you so much to Sarah P. Have you guys been using chat GBT? I'm going to write in here. I'm going to write one sentence that includes Sarah P. Sarah P without an, no H. Okay. Sarah P. Whatever chat GBT comes up with is the first line of this shouty outy for Sarah P. <laughs> Sarah P. arrived at the meeting early to set up and review the agenda. <laughs> what, you might be asking, was on that agenda? Well, I'll tell you what the fuck was on that agenda that Sarah P. arrived at the meeting early to set up for because she is always early and she is always prepared to talk to you about Exhibit A, she says. Clicked on the PowerPoint. Sarah P. is fucking hilarious. PowerPoint slide number two. Fade that fades into the next one. <laughs> Star wipe. Sarah P is always 
ingenious. Sarah P is very kind to other people and also inspires them to be better. Sarah P is a good citizen. She takes care of the people in her community. But that is only just to lead us to the fact that Sarah P walks into a room and she's mag- people are absolutely magnetized to her. So that's why she has to get to the meeting early because if she walks in late, she disrupts the meeting. People stand up on their feet, <laughs> slow clap. <laughs> erupts into applause. People are ripping their shirts apart because Sarah P is in the room and they are like, melee, insurrection. People lose their minds. So she knows she has to get there early to set up and review the agenda because if she she doesn't and she has to wear some sort of like mask, you know, like a Mm -hmm. face covering so that people don't just fucking lose their absolute damn minds (laughs) every time. Thus concludes today's meeting. Thank you all for coming. Leave it to a computer to come up with like the most straightforward and like kind of strange (laughs) sentence about a person. I just wrote one sentence that includes the name Sarah P. And Sarah P. arrived at the meeting early to set up and review the agenda. Thank you. Uh, Chat, thank you. GBT. Oh my God, you guys. We, oh. Oh, we love you so much. And if you want so to spend much. more time with us, you can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com, and you can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you can read and review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yes, that would be really helpful, and we really appreciate it. Thank you when you do it. It's so nice. Yes. Thank you, AJ Bergans, for your music. Thank you so much. And remember... So, we talked about briefly on our last Patreon episode, one of our last Patreon episodes, the victim was also an organ donor, and she was able to donate to a lot of people. And one of our listeners said, thank you for talking about organ donation. It's something I like vehemently believe in. I will not go too deep into that because I can get really judgmental about it and I don't want to sound judgmental, but I just do believe that it is something that everybody should do. You can't take those organs with you. They don't need to be in your body. Mm-mm. It doesn't matter when you're dead. You can save up to 84 people wow. if you sign up for organ donation. And on the Patreon episode, I was like, "Do you, is it something you have to sign up for? And Sadie and I were like, we think that it's like people just know that's what you want. But you can sign up if you go to your DMV. You do go to your local DMV, go in person or go online to your state's DMV. You can sign up to be an organ donor. Your family cannot not donate your organs if you're over the age of 18 if you've signed up. Sweet. So go to DMV or in the case of Indiana, (laughs) bmv.yourstatesabbreviation.gov and sign up today if it's something you feel strongly about as I do and my sister does because, my God, what an amazing gift to give to another person. 100%. And you are a gift that you give to us every day, and we could not love mm-hmm. you more. And thank mm-hmm. you for being here, and thank you for your support. Yes. Thus concludes the meeting. <laughs> Next slide. <laughs>
Sadie is hot. Slide after <laughs> that. She is also still hot. The next slide. <laughs> I'm going to say. Have you seen her eyeballs? They are one, hot. <laughs> one sentence that includes the name Sadie Eck. Sadie Eck finished her homework before going out to play. You little baby. <laughs> Okay, do Courtney, uh, real quick. Okay, okay, real quick. <laughs> Courtney Eck walked her dog, Max, around the block before starting her work day. <laughs> 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 we love you. Uh, we love you. So much. We'll see you really soon. See you Goodbye. so soon. Goodbye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.